la maudite des vieux chauds. I have seen the dark shadows moving in the woods and I have no doubt that whatever I have resurrected through this book is sure to come calling for me. David, you look absolutely terrific, honestly. You got like, you got like glue on. This is where the worst begins. This is where we must stop. For beyond is the work of madness. The nightmare of insane murder and lingering death. Inside and lock your doors. Close your windows. Someone is watching you. Someone is waiting for you. Someone wants to scare you to death. This is Albert from the Tuesday Show. You're listening to the goddamn Dave Hill Show, now on a flipping Monday. No. You're an angel witch. Thank you. I nailed it. Um, I just wanted to say that every time that song comes on and then in the breakdown at the end where they say, uh, they just sing You're an Angel Witch with just the, I think it's just with the drums. It catches me off guard every time. Like I always I'm, hear new I'm harmonies never... that like I didn't hear the last time. It's one of those songs. The whole can... song hinges on that. That's how I know it's worth, It's almost time. That's my cue. Right. Yeah, when they do the breakdown. Up. Yeah. I was, I'm doing this podcast in a couple nights. Um, I don't have the name in front of me. But when it's out, I will be publicizing it wildly. Like, for example, I've been publicizing my new special, The Pride of Cleveland, which is on the 800-pound gorilla YouTube channel. Go watch it. Um, anyway... But I, they send me a sample episode, and they talk about um, my affinity, well, our affinity for Angel Witch. But they say, like, he started playing it on his FMU show, and then he just keeps playing it every... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was nice to hear someone else explain exactly what's happening. Um, and I know I don't get sick of it. And we, ha- we also, I think... David Crumholtz, the actor, the great David Crumholtz, is the one to thank because I was obsessed with that song, and then he kept demanding that it be played that. again and again. So it's really David who made it happen. David was Crumholtz. David the guy with the really amazing voice who used to call in, or am I thinking of someone else? David is uh, he's an actor from TV shows and movies. I had an awkward exchange with Dave when he stopped by the station. He um, he had like a a little blood mark on his nose. Maybe like picked the scab or something coming off the train. I don't know. And I didn't. I, when he showed up, I I went down and let him in. Rode up the elevator with him and everything. And I didn't say anything about it because, you know, what's the right way to? I don't know. I've never met the guy. You know, maybe he wouldn't sure. take that well. He might so, fly into a blind rage. Right, so I didn't say anything, and then he stepped into the bathroom, and then when he came out, he's like, what are you doing? You let me walk around with all kinds of shit on my face, and you didn't let me know. So now now I tell everybody, no matter who they are and what the situation, you got some shit on your face. You have shit on your face, pal. Thank, thank you. Um, That's a cat right there. Oh, there's a cat. Being Chris, as if you're if you're listening in the futuristic podcasting format, a cat has walked in into frame. Um... Speaking of David's, we have an amazing guest tonight, David Pevsner, who has a brand new book out, Damn Shame. I'm holding it up for the people watching on on the live broadcast. A mem- Damn Shame, a memoir of desire, defiance, and show tunes. It just came out last two weeks ago? Anyway, it's amazing. I'm enjoying it thoroughly. Um, and I command all of you to buy it and read it as I am um I forgot to say hello and welcome to the Dave Hill good time hour 
Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing, boy criminal Chris Gersbeck? I'm great. Doing good. You look amazing. Oh, thank you. I took a uh, shower. That's oh. what I'm picking up on. Big Monday. Yeah. We, um... And uh, we'll uh, get to this later. Uh, how, how are you doing, New Jersey Chicken Ranger Des? Doing very well, Dave. Thanks for asking. You, you guys... I'm, uh... I, uh, well, I already had COVID. We've documented this. It's been in all the medical journals. I had COVID last month. So I'm thinking it's too soon for me to catch it again, but I feel exactly like I felt when I got COVID oh, no. before. No. Which is concerning. Did you get a booster? I did get a booster. Leah Zeppel Zeppelin is saying I look extra handsome, even more handsome than Drew Carey. It's the new that, computer's first appearance in your in your New York office. For those listening, oh, Dave is my not, New York office, right? So, which looks like a New York closet and becomes more and more like a New York closet every day. I don't want to be rude, but yeah, it. Uh, well, the problem is there's a lot of stuff behind me. It's okay. And the previous tenant actually installed like a some sort of closet inside this room, which really adds to the closet feel. Mm. Um, I've uh, our uh, guest is uh, over there. I'm I'm gonna set him. He's up. gonna go. Oh, good, good. I'll be right back. But anyway, so today I I drove. I was on tour with Puddles Pity Party, as you know, and then I drove back to back home to New York City from Ohio yesterday. Mm -hmm. It was brutal, and then I dropped off the rental car. No one start masturbating dur during this story, by the way. I know what, the temptation will be to masturbate when I talk about returning a rental car. Well, what kind of car was it, though? That's that's important. I'm glad you asked. It was a Ford Explorer. That's, Very, that's, that's a good car. It was good. We really need it. Because, uh, I, you know, it was very snowy. Mm -hmm. Dangerous. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but I, I dropped it off the, over there on 31st Street. It's freezing out. And somehow... I ended up just walking home, uh, even though one might have thought I would have taken the subway, but no. That might be why you're feeling a little run down today. It's a long walk down back to the village. I was, yeah, I was out. I walked down to the village, and then I took Sweet Lou to the dog park, and it was freezing there as well. Yeah. Not to brag. Um, what's going on out there in New Jersey? Jersey. Uh, much like uh, in the city, it's cold as hell. Ironically said, and uh, that's about it. Really, got a new TV. We're setting up a new uh, TV and sound bar earlier. So exciting times here. What? What do you mean? Uh, the, uh, we got a new TV. What's a sound bar? It's like the new modern way to have like a tight speaker system because the, the speakers on these TVs still kind of suck. So you got to get something that kind of gives it a little extra. You know. Take it to the next level. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it's all HDMIs and Wi-Fi's and Bluetooths. And, oh. You know, and then I got to figure out Don't. how to, like, get the record player in on it, too. So. Man, oh, man. Technical night. Leah Zeppelin writes, I, I don't know why I keep, her comments keep jumping out of me. The bra has come off. You can't just talk about rental cars like that. See? Well... I should forewarn you, this is going to be a very sexually charged evening, I feel like. Because uh, da David Pevsner's book, Damn Shame, well, it, it's very sex, se sexually charged, but it's it's many, many things. Uh, it's wonderful. And I think, as we were talking before the show started, I think it, we can sort of connect the dots for Chris a little bit. Something that's been going on in his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on some of my reading of this book. Um, anyway, Storm Medicine Woman, greetings from Asbury Park. I'm actually going to be in New Jersey tomorrow, not to brag. How exciting. What neighborhood? Uh, Newark, New Jersey. I was... Uh, my buddy, Rhett Miller, gave me tickets to go see the New Jersey Devils. Nice. I don't know if I should just say out loud that who gave me the tickets, how I happened upon them. I mean, but he was very kind. Gave me tickets. I'm gonna go out there. It's a good time. Financial center. 
Prudential Center. I haven't been to the Prudential Center since I saw Def Leppard, Poison, and Lita Ford. The return. Oh, that was at Prudential? What a lot of people, and I reviewed it for Brooklyn Vegan, what a lot of people say is the greatest concert review of all time. I think that's how I first found out about you. It was, uh, it was from that article. It's a good one. Yeah. It was very popular. That mm-hmm. it took me. That's how I ended up going to Norway. That review. We don't need to get into that tonight. Hey there, I'm Ellen Weatherford. And I'm Christian Weatherford. And we've got big feelings about animals that we just got to share. On Just the Zoo of Us, your new favorite animal review podcast, we're here to critically evaluate how each animal excels and how it doesn't, rating them out of 10 on their effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics. Guest experts give you their takes informed by actual, real-life experiences studying and working with very cool animals like sharks, cheetahs, and sea turtles. It's a field trip to the zoo for your ears. So if you or your kids have ever wondered if a pigeon can count, why sloths move so slow, or how a spider sees the world, find out with us every Wednesday on Just the Zoo of Us in its natural habitat on MaximumFun.org. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Somewhere between science and superstition, there is a podcast. Look, your daughter doesn't say she's a demon. She says she's the devil himself. That thing is not my daughter. And I want you to tell me there's a show where the hosts don't just report on French science and spirituality, but take part themselves. Well, there is, and it's Ono, Ross, and Carrie on Maximum Fun. This year, we actually became certified exorcists. So yes, Carrie and I can help your daughter. Or we can just talk about it on the show. Oh no, Ross and Carrie on MaximumFun.org. Uh, our guest is ready whenever we are. Oh my gosh, we're actually going to bring a guest on on time. I'm very excited to have our guest on tonight. David Pevsner, he is uh, much like myself, a multi-hyphenate. He's an actor, singer, dancer, writer, and so much more. Um, we'll get into some of the other things in, in uh, when we talk about the book and we'll talk about all sorts of things and hopefully he can help enlighten Chris. Chris has experienced the loss of innocence recently <laughs> uh, where he did not realize that there would be uh, gay He's in cruising a hot spot. hot spots. He lives in a gay cruising oh, yeah. hot spot basically. I thought you were joking but it, yeah, no it's true. You live, yeah. But aren't all suburbs, like, uh, wait, I'm jumping around. Leah Zeppelin, I don't know why I'm only seeing her comments in my brain. She found me through Big Gay Ice Cream. I think, I could be wrong, but Brian Petroff, which is to say one half of Big Gay Ice Cream, saw that David Pevsner is going to be joining us tonight, and he got very excited. Um... And so maybe he'll, maybe we'll hear from him tonight. I don't know. Oh, please give David some teas. Brian says, hey, because I said, he said, Brian said on Instagram, hi, hi, H-H-H-A-A-A, and then many eyes after that, which I believe to be a hi, or hey, hi. Anyway, and I said, hey, Brian. And he says, hey, back, please give David some tongue action for me. It is my birthday, after all. I don't know if they know each other, but he's obviously a fan of David's. All by way of saying, please welcome to the Dave Hill Good Time Hour, David <laughs> Pevsner, who I believe is in the... There he is. I'm here. I'm here. Thank you for agreeing to... I don't know. Uh, we have we have the same publisher, and I, I believe they threatened you, made you come on the show, probably. They came to L.A. and just went... Yeah, well, but I said okay, fine. Thank you, Good. thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, 
I realize, and this is only from having read your Ben. Yeah, I'm, I'm about two thirds of the way in, so I want to enjoy the the home the the last bit after having spoken to you a bit. And I say this, I don't. Th well, I was going to say, I say this not to embarrass you, but I I feel like you're. I I don't think I could embarrass you. I, it's really hard to do. <laughs> but I say this. Uh, I think you're the first guest uh, we've had on the show who I've seen many pictures of your dick before. <laughs> I this is I can't. I, I was racking my brain, and I thought, what other guests have I seen? Pick many pictures. Mm -hmm. I got I got a copy of your book, and in the I don't know if it's in the introduction or. Uh, any, I think it's in the introduction. It mentions that there'll be pictures of your dick, and I thought, let's just get it out of the way. Let's skip away. Let's skip ahead. Yeah, <laughs> as I always do. Now, let me be clear. I do this with any book. This is not just a book with dick pics. But for what are I think because I got an advance of the book, the dick pics were not in the book. But uh, but tease. They came as I got separate printouts. Of, <laughs> so I was like, well, there Fancy. they are. And um, I don't think this is a spoiler to uh, anyone who hasn't read the book yet, but uh, very impressive. <laughs> it's okay. No complaints, you know. Yeah. It's, a, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, yeah, but it's not. A, oh, oh, how the dick pic tables have turned. I don't. What does that mean? Maybe it just means we're talking about it. We're that we're actually talking about it. Yeah, getting the dick pics, Dave. I don't know. You were oh oh oh. I'm very slow, as we all know. That's what he's saying. That I've actually. Oh, you send them out? No, I I have to say, and I'm not just saying this. I have never. I don't even think. As my friend Matt Stein said to me once, he said, "I don't think you'd be even capable of framing up your dick in a camera to even." think about taking a photograph of it and he's right i just worry it could get in the wrong hands the, uh, the photo who cares who cares uh well you know <laughs> yeah that's part of my issue like who cares really i guess you know i there's a few more there's a few relatives that are still with us that i i feel like as long as they're on the earth they you know i don't want them to or google search to go wrong just as soon spare them <laughs> Pardon? Are they really going to search Dave Hill dick pic? Uh, you know, you really... and if they are, it's like the second bravo thing. for them. <laughs> well, it's the second thing that comes up, Dave Hill. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. But uh, well, speaking of dick pics, there is a moment in this book. There's two. I don't even know what where. There's so many great things in this book, but with dick pics, you're in a in a store. And I forget where, and there's a refrigerator magnet, and you realize it is indeed a picture of your dick on a refrigerator magnet, and you're there with yeah. your sister. In Chicago, yeah. But I, I, I don't just tell the story because it happened. Mm -mm. Because, you know, went into the store, was going to pay for a birthday card. I look at this kind of turntable with all, the all these refrigerator magnets on it with, like, drag queens and bodybuilders. And there's a photo that was in the Tom Bianchi book, my very first published nude photo, on a refrigerator magnet. So the point of the story is I could have gone either way. I could have been, like, really embarrassed about it or owned it and thought, like, amazing. So I told my sister about it, and she was like, why are you showing me this guy's dick? I was like, it's me. That's me. And so then when the guy came over to, to, to I was going to buy it, I told him that it was me, and he went, oh, my God. It was like, you know, one of the great, <laughs> great, great gay bookstores. And it was like I just told him that I was on the cover of Time magazine. He got so excited for me, and he put it in my hand, and he said, this is yours. And I was like, yay, for free. He was so great. And so, like, you know, he was happier than I ever would have been. So, yeah. I love it. It was a surprise, but I could have gone either way. I could have been like, oh, shit. Oh, my sister's here. And I didn't know because I didn't know it was going to be on a magnet. Well, yeah, I think that's the what, what the great thing of, about about the book is I think it's so much about that of like there's two ways you could go with things. And you you take embracing, uh, embracing things, which Ownership is the right rather than shame. 
Yeah, yeah. Which I think is like a universal thing that we can it's all relate to. It's a conflict that a lot of people have, you know, owning their sexuality instead of like, you know, being all embarrassed or I did something and, you know, God, what happened? What did they think of me when, you know, I, whatever happened in bed that I wasn't comfortable with? Oh, no. Rather than just like, we're human beings, things happen, we have sex, enjoy it, stop being so ashamed about it, love your body wherever it's at right now. That's a really hard thing for people to do. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. Chris, are you? Is this getting through to you? <laughs> I want to hear all about. I want to hear all about Chris's little adventure. Well, well I didn't. Yeah, talking, I didn't. Chris, you go ahead. Uh, no, I found out we had my friend Tracy Carnazzo on last week, uh, and she was. We both live in Forest Hills, Queens, and I've lived here for four years, and uh, she revealed that the Seventy First Avenue continental subway station is like a hot spot the public restroom there and that also the forest park is like where i take walks pretty much every day is also a hot spot cruising hot spot well there's lots of that in new york and back in the day in the 80s it was probably a lot more active when mm-hmm. i lived there yeah well that's a, your book i it, there's so many amazing things in the book but a lot of it it was sort of like um, yeah, there's so many just just things that are a lot of things that are just gone from New York now, and it was so fun to read about um, things that I'd heard about or things that I remember. And then, like, at one point, you talk about the Robin Bird show, and I was like, <laughs> yes, I that show that show is true. I was that the public access. Yeah, Channel J. Yeah, it's it's not for everybody, but it is for everybody. (laughs) If that makes sense, totally. It had such a spirit about it. I mean, she was so kind of like you know groovy and who cares and whatever. And then there's the guy you know stripping down and they're talking about sex and you know talking about fucking and and you're just like I'm watching this on TV. I I I mean I'd never seen anything like it. And so you'd get home from the bars at two o'clock in the morning and turn on Robin Bird. <laughs> yeah, and it would be like they would have like, um, it would they would alternate between men and women dancing and then coming over to the couch to be like interviewed. interviewed. So like whatever your uh, your taste or proclivity is all you have to do is wait three minutes and there's something for and you there's something for you absolutely you know so you know a guy might be doing a helicopter in one and then you're like in three minutes there's going to be massive double d fake boobs flapping around but Everybody at the end wins. they they all get together at the end and they dance to the one song robin bird ever recorded as far as i can remember baby let me bang your box That's the and only- they would all dance to it together and she would kind of like motorboat and and whatever it was just it was just this kind of like whimsical kind of filthy but kind of funny time that that ran for years and years and years for all i know it's you know they're still showing the reruns i don't i i don't know if it's still on i know it was on fair like according to wikipedia it is so it's been on since 1977 the thing is they they play these old reruns and like, I had it on, I would say, maybe like 10 years ago. And they have all, the, and you even talk about 1-800, what it is, it like P, the extra E is for extra The extra P. E is for extra P. Oh my God, my best friend and I, oh, it doesn't take much to make each other laugh. We'll just go, because um, it's one 800 P and something like that, and then it's the extra E is for extra P, and it sounds like the guy who does it is very kind of like the extra E. It's just one of those things that every New Yorker knows what that is. Or Geisha to go. Oh well, that's the well. Before I Geisha to go. Before we move on from the extra E is for extra P. (laughs) My friend, uh, my friend Martha Plimpton, the great actress. I love her. Yeah, she told me once that she had the robin bird show on as 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 we all if we if you can watch it you do at some point and she was like not paying attention and she could hear 
this girl talking in the in the extra e is for extra p and she and she looked and it was like a girl she had gone to like theater school with <laughs> so all she got were, a commercial that's great yeah yeah she booked a commercial <laughs> but uh probably non-union i'm guessing yeah i mean your agent will your agent will crack down on you for doing this if you do an extra e for extra p commercial well you gotta use a fake name you have to that's yeah now what i was gonna say though so i was watching robin bird and like they have all these old commercials and so i decided well i have an unlimited plan I'll just call these numbers and see what happens. So I would call. And so all the extra E is for extra P, all that stuff. Those are all disconnected. Yeah. All the like get like geisha and like spas. Oh, they're still going. Someone all it's always someone answering that sounds like that number's working. Anyway, yeah, just, they also had they also had a lot of phone sex lines, you know, like gay phone sex, call this number. And those are, I'm sure, gone. Or maybe not. I th- No, I those know. were, I can confirm. I did. I felt it was my, check. my job. <laughs> it, it was my job as, as, a, as I felt like as long as I was, you know, beginning the endeavor that I should call all of them. Um, and another thing, I, but let the book, though, what what I this is why I think everyone should read it. Um, it's hilarious, and it it's it's it has it's it's it ticks every every box. And a, a super relatable thing about it is like you're this kid growing up in uh, Skokie, Illinois, and you not you don't fit in, and you have to like become yourself. And go live your life. And I was like, I told, except from Cleveland, where I was like meant to become a doctor or a lawyer, or work in sales or something, you know. And uh, and I, it, I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, we're all here not doing. We're that all right here now. exactly. I mean, I mean, granted, I think you had a lot more to go through than I did, especially growing up. Uh, when you did a time when, you know, being gay and being openly gay would like, you know, as a kid, that must have been super hard to like, because you're coming off an era when it's like crim, like considered criminal by some people, by a lot of people. Yeah. Um, it was something that it was just having a secret. Secrets aren't easy to keep. Um, and, and it takes a lot of um, energy to keep a secret. So when you're in the shower the, in the locker room or something and you just can't look around because, you know, you feel like if you do look, they're going to know you. They're going to see you. So you kind of like pretend. And it's so much energy. I, 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 th- I realize how much energy I spent in grammar school and high school. Fake relationships with girls, you know, um, kind of pining over guys that I thought were cute and afraid to talk to them like like a blubbering idiot around them Mm -hmm. you know especially when they were like the the sport kind of guys and i was so bad at sports that you know they looked at me like who's what what are you you know just or don't give me the time of day at all so totally ignored and um just knowing that sex was something that i was never going to have you know, I, I, I made love to TV. I watched so much TV that I had TV stars that I had the hots for. Although I didn't really know what the hots were, but I, I, I kissed them. My pillow was them, uh-huh. you know, and I kissed them. I didn't know anything about sex, really, because on TV, I took all my all my codes from TV. You know, if it wasn't on TV, I didn't know it in terms of like human nature. Mm-hmm. So I would kiss my pillow. I would, you know, oh, you know, I would like make love the way they did on, you know, whatever tv show so but they never did it with a boy you know so i had to kind of do it and do it really quiet and my mom walked in on me once and that was horrifying and you know saying 
um, James Darren's name out loud from the time tunnel <laughs> from the mid sixties going, James, Oh, James, James. And then the door opens and I'm like kissing my pillow. Okay, you know. And my mom, like she, she didn't let on, but she, I heard her go stop that. Cause we're from Skokie. So she had the, the, the Skokie accent. Oh yeah. Yeah. Stop that. Oh my God. Go to bed. Stop it. <laughs> And then I was like, okay, that is never going to happen again. And then so it was a lot of, you know, closing off. Yeah. And, but you could have, because as you said, like you did have, like, you would have these sort of, uh, you would have girlfriends, but sort of have a, seemed like a platonic relationship with them. But then you could have gone that route. And then you're, you know, you're the guy at the whatever street station in Forest Hills. <laughs> probably like a lot of those guys probably they took that route where they're like oh i will i'll just lead this I'll, subversive yeah, yeah and then i gotta sneak out to the by chris's house <laughs> specifically <laughs> i'm putting it on ways right now <laughs> um what? i for me i didn't do nothing through or the early part of high school but when i was old enough i started to sneak off to chicago to go to either bars or it actually started with um, stores that were gay owned and operated. There was one in Evanston, Illinois, where you could go in, in, in a, it was like a tchotchke store, you know, it had like candles and frames and stuff like that. And I would go and I knew it was owned by gay guys. And in all the frames, they had like hot pictures of like bodybuilders or, you know, some, you know, sexy looking movie star. And I would just go and I would walk around there and just kind of browse and just take in the gayness, you know, that I knew that I was safe in that store. You know, mm -hmm. nobody was going to know me. Uh -huh. um, so that's how it started was finding places like that and then eventually moved to bars and then eventually moved to bathhouses, which, you know, once I had the nerve to do that, that was fun. Yeah. And you, I'm from Cleveland and I, I was uh, a little the best home house in the best bathhouse in America. I know. I felt way. a little hometown pride uh, when you mentioned that. Now, I, I forget what you that <laughs> one is called in the I can't remember what it's called. Club baths. I'm pretending not to know. No, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you were very believable. No, no, I couldn't I remember. Say. But I remember uh, there was. I think there still is. For a long time, there was Flex Bathhouse on like East or West Sixth Street, I think. And I think it's moved. But that was the one, like when we were, uh, you know, that we would that people knew about. I think it became didn't club become flex. That could have been it. Um, I think that was because it, it's it, not it's not a town that could support multiple <laughs> multiple bathhouses. You know, you have you have uh, one or two Thai restaurants, bathhouse <laughs> or two, and you're you're done. That's all the population could handle. So the closeted guys would go eat Thai food and then go to the bathhouse. Exactly. We, we can only assume. I well, I think it was I remember. Like, there would be, like, I was on the high school tennis team, not to brag. And I remember <laughs> uh, we would practice at this park, and every day there would be these guys that would show up that would look just look like people's dads, but they weren't our dads, and they would just be showing up alone in these cars. And I remember being, like, 15 or whatever and just thinking, like, oh, they're probably just trying to like just relax a minute before they go home for after work. Exactly. Relax a minute. And then one day I saw a head come up out of <laughs> <laughs> out of someone's lap and I was like, Oh, oh now I get it. Interesting. Yeah. That's yeah. how I explained it all to Chris before the show. <laughs> when I was explaining to him the subway stop by his house. Um, you said, and after your head comes up off the lap, you say goodbye, leave, and get in the train. <laughs> Got it. Thank you. I hope I hope that helps. Um, there's oh another thing. Also, I want to thank you for is I. This is the first time uh, I've seen mention of the international mail catalog in a very long time. I don't even Des and Chris. Do you even know what that is? Um, I'm looking it up right now. Male, M-A-L-E. That's right. No, I'm not familiar with it. 
it's a catalog that just oh. started showing up at my family's house. <laughs> uh, and squeeze me recently. Who, whose name was on the catalog? I, I, I know. think it. I think it was my mom's name. I think it was like. I don't know. It started showing up, but I. Uh, <laughs> but the when, thing is, what? there's an intersection in the catalog. Most of it's like pirate shirts and like hot pants and like stuff that I didn't have a use for. But there's an intersection of like of glam wear, like like because I was playing in bands and I was like, some of this international male stuff. There it is. Love that. Okay. There yeah. you go. So I their, their stuff, some of it was way over the top and very gay. It was great. Oh yeah. There you <laughs> so there you go. That's that's the gist of it right there. Um Oh that that's that's mute compared. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean well, I did wear my suspenders with nothing. They're, now we're getting a little closer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I really kind of shiny wear and lots of underwear, lots of um uh bathing suits, you know. <laughs> The jock strap. Oh, it was, it was the best. It was beyond homoerotic. It was like, here we are. <laughs> naked. Yeah. And, I, and just some of the hottest, hottest models, you know, at that time, they were just all kind of like shaved and, and you know, and, and shiny looking and muscular. And that's, you know, in the 80s, especially, there was like a hunger for that. But I remember it, it it would show up and I was just a kid and I would be like, why are there, they're always having these cocktail parties and barbecues. There's no, where are their wives? Uh, I didn't understand. <laughs> but then when I was playing, you know, I started playing in bands, I ended up ordering a pair of silver hot, like uh, not hot pants, like full pants from the because I was they're, like they were hot pants. Those will look cool on stage, and I've probably told this story on the show before. But I was in Chicago and I shit my <laughs> pants. Those were the pants. They were my international male pants from <laughs> no, the international male catalog. That's and I, what it sounds familiar. For I me. shit them. Wow, I bet it didn't show through the fabric though. <laughs> Oh, it was. Those uh, were like hazmat pants, I'll bet, you know? They were, I mean, it. they definitely, uh, yeah, they uh, just, uh, they didn't, they didn't soak it up any either, too, without any <laughs> details. It just sort of. Uh, well, those international mail and the, the underwear ads in GQ, you know, in the back of GQ, those were kind of like pre-porn watching for me. You know, you would get the international mail catalog and you would just kind of like hide with it, you know, or get GQ and just the last 20 pages, you would just look through it because that's, except, you know, when I was too young to really buy any kind of gay porn, that's the kind of thing that I looked at and I, and it was, it was clean cut in a certain way because it wasn't, none of it was fully naked. That was your you know? JC Penny bra section. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. I was just very say, good. That good analogy. Sports, I like that. Uh, illustrated swimsuit issue was like, we, we couldn't so even get my, that would come to the house and my dad would intercept it and <laughs> rip out every photo Oh man! And then I would be like, "Well, Dad, I just want to see it because there's an article on, uh, you know, the Indians." <laughs> yeah. I just like to read the articles. And, yeah, because like Playboy. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so growing up uh, was never we were you know super Catholic family. I was never allowed to see this this Sports Illustrated. So now, now forget. Now you buy ten copies of I each, buy, and I just roll around on them. <laughs> well, there was another magazine called After Dark Magazine. Yeah, you write about was, that. Yeah, which was an which an, was an arts oriented magazine. It was for like the theater, dance, show queen. You know, somebody who loved the theater and loved movies and stuff. It was very um, arts oriented. But they there was the photography. You know, they would get some of the the men who were in these movies and put them in like jeans with no shirt or like they would show the dancers and they would like show a dancer in like full jeté wearing tights and bulging out of it and it was so beyond homoerotic that it was ugh, every issue i just i i i couldn't really find them i had to really search for them where i lived 
You know, there was like one issue in one drugstore three miles from me, and I would ride my damn bike to get that one issue and hoping that nobody had gotten it yet. Um, the media was very much a part of my kind of development for the good and the bad of it in terms of being gay and kind of discovering who I am. Mm-hmm. You know? But everything was very covered and hiding it. And, you know, I would take the After Dark magazines and put them in a box in my closet in the back where it's dark so nobody could find yeah, it. Yeah, you have to hide that. You had that to hide it, yeah. That's like, I would, uh, I used to walk, what was it, like National Lampoon. They would do like a photo, like a comic strip of those all photos, and there would usually be a topless woman mm. in it. And they sold it at Revco, which was the predecessor to CVS in suburban Cleveland. I would walk a mile to the store and wait until there were no adults in the aisle and then i would just flip through just to look at the pair of boobs i was almost said set of boobs and then then i realized (laughs) i realized i was like if i say set of boobs that sounds like a guy who's never seen boobs or (laughs) never (laughs) never encountered boobs before but i would go and i would look at the set of boobs and uh and then i would walk home just i would just be so thrilled it's like click in your head yeah and then i would have to wait till next month and hope that there would be a new set of boobs yeah you would have loved having the internet back then wouldn't you oh i don't even know (laughs) my my parents would have been so on to me there's no way they would have had every i mean but i I, the, the guilt was so much see yeah you're jewish or grew up jewish and there's guilt, but it's a different kind of guilt, I think, than Catholic guilt. I think Jewish guilt, you're, you can still enjoy things. Your Catholic guilt is more religious based. Yeah, you know, the, the, God's not, you know, God's not going to accept you into the into the gates of heaven. Jewish guilt doesn't do that. Jewish is like, ugh, you really should not be looking at that. Yeah, no, put it away. Uh, uh-uh. uh. You're gonna, you're, it's going to be a Shonda for the neighbors. Nobody's going to talk to them. <laughs> like, it was that kind of thing, but it had really nothing to do with it. It wasn't like, you know, God's going to come down and smite me. It was never that. Yeah, it's not. That's a, it's a much, it's a much milder. You had it worse. That, yeah, that like, kind of I, on a few occasions, like, because we would always find, on, like, maybe once a year, you'd find, like, a Playboy in the woods somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and you take like one page of it. I remember I took one time I got greedy and took a whole centerfold home and I folded it up as small as I could. And I like hit it in the bed frame of my brothers and well, my bunk bed. And then I was like, no, like, I, I would hide it again every couple of days. <laughs> and then I hid it in the evil Knievel trailer. I had the trailer that he would drive around and I put it in there and I'm like, no one's going to think to look in there. But eventually, the the guilt of it all just consumed me because I was like, I felt like they were after me the whole time. And eventually, I just I was like, you know what? I so I took it and I set it on fire and flushed it <laughs> down the toilet because I was like, I have to dispose of this. No traces. Can never. I think that's the theory of why porn ends up in the woods. It's just like catholic guilt just gotta dump it gotta get all this shit out of my house you can't bear to burn it so you throw it to the deer (laughs) you hope a deer is gonna eat it well that's always yeah it's weird there's always that was always the case it would be like on a tree stump or something it's a porno fairy just leaves surprises in the woods for little boys and girls Uh, i mean for years we used to just walk in the woods and just (laughs) keep our fingers crossed (laughs) Did you ever buy it yourself? Like, go to the store? Because I remember I was in, I was doing a show in Atlanta, and there was there was nothing going on where I was, and I just wanted to look at some porn. This was pre-internet. And I went to this, um, it was like a convenience store, but also it served hamburgers at two in the morning. It was just gross. But they had magazines back there. And the guy just looked like, oh, this is not going to be fun asking for this, but I'm going to do it. So I was just like, excuse me, um, could I get a copy of Honcho? He's like, what? Like, <laughs> I was like, um, a copy of Hancho. Hancho. Han- 
I'm like pointing at it, Hancha, because it's a weird world word anyway. Yeah. And and he was like, Hancha, like, and there's like people there. And, you know, <laughs> and, and it's just, you know, the fact that I was I was an adult at the time and I was still feeling that it's like I should just be able to go, you know, give me a honcho and here's the three musketeers and just you know, here's my money. That's yeah. what I want for everybody, you know, to stop like, you know, what you had to go through to just keep that centerfold. You know, people still kind of go through that now. They still are embarrassed to look at, at stuff that they want to look at. Yeah. Um, it's it's just it's mortifying to me that sex and nudity and all that stuff we're better at it certainly we have a lot more of it thanks to the internet but there's still the the, the same kind of like embarrassment and shame especially if you're gay you know that you don't want people to know that you like to look at it back then i didn't like people to know that i like to look at it either so how much has changed for certain people nothing has changed yeah you know um, it kills me just kills me but i think that's what i mean we're I saying you know it's so great about the book is just like uh you take taking it you take the better path and you're you broke away from all that yeah i mean i i think the path that i took was and it's still to this day i mean the book is a journey essentially and it yeah. starts from pretty much the day i was born and it's a journey to kind of become my authentic self and to own my desires and my fantasies and to strike back against anything and anyone who tells me that I'm less. Yeah. You know, or, or you know, and, and I think that's something anybody can identify with. That's what know? that this is. I, you know, I, I realize we're talking about a lot of, you know, the, the funnier stuff in the book and things like that. But that's what I think is so great about the book is that these themes, I think that anyone can relate to. That's why everyone I command everyone watching on the live cast and everyone listening in the futuristic podcast format when format when this comes out Friday to go by damn shame. There it is. I was gonna hold it up, but he's beat me to it. Excellent. This is why Chris makes the big bucks. Everyone go by. I want I want David to feel the Dave Hill good time hour spike in sales plus i would love that we have the same publisher so this will make me look good around the office when they're like what happened <laughs> on january 24th what was going on that the sales just boom i have no doubt it will happen it's i i insist it's it's a great i mean it it's it, it, it has it all as they say it's it's a it's a touching book it's hilarious there is um, uh, some great accounts of you. You worked as an escort at one point, um, which okay. I, I. That's actually been a fantasy of. I was going to say Chris's, but I'll just admit it. It's a fantasy <laughs> of mine. I mean, every every guy, I think, gay or straight, um, and not just guys. Not just guys. I've talked to a lot of women who are like, if I didn't have to deal with the fear of what might happen or what people would think of me, or, you know, whatever. I've talked to one who was like, it sounds like kind of a great way to make money, like, when if you're really, uh, you know, and then there are the people who are like, ugh, it's disgusting, I think you're horrible, you know, just, you're an awful human being for even attempting it. And so, for me, it was something that I kind of fantasized about doing, but it was beyond fantasy. It was like, I have to find out, can I be the kind of guy that somebody would pay money to have sex with i had to find out it was just part of this thing and as you can tell from the book when i have that thought about should i or could i i usually do it you yeah. know i yeah, my book is about trying one thing after another and seeing how it feels and for me being an escort was a great experience you know and it wasn't and i wouldn't have written a book that was just like hey i was an escort five you know five chapters about that for me it was the fact that I learned so much of being an escort, being a guy who was so kind of body oriented, where the only guys I ever dated or even looked at were guys who had great bodies. And 
I, and there's so, you know, I didn't look inside anybody. And being an escort made me kind of look at guys because they weren't going to be the body beautiful, beautiful types, you know. I, in order to have an attraction for them, I had to stop thinking that way and start looking at, you know, the other qualities, their, their other attributes. And it really taught me a lot about looking at men differently. And what I learned doing being an escort has served me to this very day in terms of what I look for. You know, in relationships, in love, in people, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I loved it. Will not lie. Yeah, it's a there's a it's a gr- great portion of the book. But yeah, like you said, it's just kind of a that uh, there's a bit of that. And then another one of my uh, things I've been curious briefly worked as a naked maid. <laughs> I did, which I feel is a dying art. I don't know if that still exists. Chris, does that still exist in New York? I don't know why it keeps. It's mostly going. just Craigslist, but yeah, it does still exist. Yeah, at the time, it was um, a friend of mine said, "I'm, I'm assuming." Naked- I don't know. I, I'm sure somebody's doing it somewhere because there was something about it. A friend of mine had it, was doing it, and he said, "You know, I get too many offers to do it. Was, would this be something you're interested in?" And I was like, "That is just crazy enough that I have to try it." So I would do it. And sometimes it was like, you know, it was never heavy, heavy cleaning, but sometimes it was clean and and go naked. And sometimes you got the sense that it was, oh, they're in their office while I'm cleaning the kitchen. And I'm like, why aren't they here kind of, they're paying for this. And it was the excitement of me finally showing up in their office to clean around and suddenly there's a naked man there. And you can, and I knew that they were anticipating it beforehand so that when it happened it was like kind of exciting for them you know and i would and i would play it up to the hilt and you know and there were times when it went sexual and times when it did not um but it was always i like to clean so that helped too but (laughs) it was it was always a lot of fun and i always had control i never felt like i was being threatened or anything and i just thought this is so goddamn weird but it works and i made some good money and then I wrote a song about it, and it's now in Naked Boy Singing, which has been playing for over 20 years. Because um, people say to me, what was it like to be a naked maid? I'm like, go listen to the song, listen to the lyrics. That's what it was like. Yeah, I, lo- I love, th- throughout the book, there are, are, are your lyrics in- interspersed through, which is, uh, I love that. Oh, great. Um, They're fun. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, like, absolutely. You know, I imagine... When you're a naked maid, no one can really, uh, no pun intended, ride you too hard about, like, they can't go like, yeah, you can't go like, you know, (laughs) there's a ring in the tub. Could you, could you go back and. Well, there are, I mean, there are times when I, it was a serious cleaning, you know, it wasn't like they didn't, they weren't like hoarders or anything. So it wasn't like disgusting, but there were times it was like, yeah, okay. It's a fairly clean apartment. Um, you gotta you know bring it home make it nice yeah um and then and and literally sometimes it would be take off my clothes where's the pine saw okay got a broom clean up go home and sometimes it would be do all that and here he is and oh you want me to jerk off okay i will um <laughs> you know it, it sure. was it, it it all kind of like every 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 experience was different and for me, who was an exhibitionist, and I liked to clean, I'm a caretaking kind of guy, I, I just enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed kind of meeting these people and cleaning their houses. It's, it's almost hard to explain unless you do it one day. So don't clean your own apartment naked. Go clean somebody else's, and you'll see what it was like. Is it now, was there, was there ever anyone who had, like, hang-ups, like, about... Because, you know, I could see someone saying like hey wait a minute you're cleaning and you just got your balls on that now you got to clean that again you know like cuz you're oh no your no, no no no, 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 no. <laughs> i'm just saying just hypothetically yeah no there was none of that <laughs> they, uh, very often that getting my balls on something was very much bonus bonus content yeah like you know the 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 table that like i finally cleared off and got it all clean and then um he backed me up onto it and i was like okay let's do it and we did sure. um but that was my choice. That had nothing to do. Everything that I ever did was my choice, my decision. Yeah. Um, and it was, in a way, you know, strangely empowering. And sometimes when I was naked and they weren't, that was very empowering. 
because I do believe that, you know, there's a power when you own your body. You know, if you're, if you cower in anything in life, if you apologize or cower, whatever, you give up your power. So I learned being, being embarrassed in, in, in grammar school, in the locker room and covering myself and stuff, I had no power there. But I saw the boys who kind of strutted around naked, you know, taking their towel and flipping. They had all the power because they didn't give a crap. This you know? is, uh, this is like, um, I learned this at the, the Russian baths in Cleveland, which are the same as sort of, sort of the Russian Turkish baths in, in New York. Um, you go and like people, there'd be guys that'd be afraid to go because they'd be like a bunch of guys sitting, you know, so straight guys are ostensibly straight guys. And, but it's like a guy's thing. Like you sit around and like you drink beer and like, but I learned, I was like, oh, you have to really uh, have no hangups about your junk being out. If you do, that's showing weakness. Well, it, it, it it's not so much showing weakness. It, it's your own it's what it's doing to you to be like, okay, I have to be naked now and I don't want it. What is it doing to you? How is it making you feel? Yeah. You know? And, and there's no reason to feel that way except because you're, you're putting it out. You're letting what you think other people are thinking about you color your confidence. Mm -hmm. I mean, I used to go to the JCC with my dad when I was younger and in the locker room, him and his friends and you know they would all chitcha hey shelly how's it going you know and they'd all be wearing flip-flops and nothing else and they'd be standing there and you know their bellies hanging a little bit their dicks hanging out having conversations about you know the cubs and yeah. and my stocks are doing really well and i'd be and they'd introduce my dad would introduce me to them i would always have a towel around my waist because i could not stand there naked and have a conversation and i would just kind of listen to these conversations and try really hard not to like look at their penises which were just like hanging there everybody was feeling you know it was just amazing to me i i didn't know how they could do that because i was so embarrassed about it even just wearing a towel i was embarrassed around a bunch of men who could give a crap you know mm -hmm. so imagine when i was in with around other kids yeah yeah or, you know their hormones are going and they're trying to figure things out oh my god i i just wanted to die every time i had to take a shower in gym class yeah, I never, it, I never even took a shower in gym class. Like, yeah, they didn't by, make us by by then. No, in, in grammar school, school, I think it was grammar school. It was horrible because you couldn't like there were there was like a communal shower, and you couldn't go in, keep a towel on, take your shower, and put the towel back on. You had to go in naked, wait for a shower, get a shower, and at the end you would get a towel. So I'm just sitting there, oh, like, God. praying that nothing's going to happen down there and don't look at him and da-da-da-da. And I would get that towel. It was like a trophy at the end for not, like, getting a hard on. It was horrible. <laughs> and, and again, it was... But it was an experience that I remember, and I turned it into a song, and it's in Naked Voice as yeah. well. And, the, yeah, the, I mean, we didn't even and touch on the, so, so much of your work in theater and television that's also a great part of the book. Um, yeah. Everyone... Again, we need the Dave Hill Good Time Hour spike. Everyone get damn shame. I see some of you mentioned you just ordered it already, but it's, it's seriously a, a great book. And uh, I just put the link in the chat if anyone wants to. Every everyone go yeah, get it. Um, I, there's there's uh, it's in, it's inspirational. Dare I say? Aside from being very entertaining. Uh, and you don't have to be a 60-ish gay, 60-ish gay man to appreciate it. No, not exactly. Uh, it's for everybody. Um, we are, uh, we're at the nine o'clock hour, riding off into the podcasting sunset. Thank you. I know so the way to San Jose. I love this. <laughs> I love this. You're the first guest to uh, to identify this. Oh, that's my period. The mid-60s music was the best. Um, yeah, I would be disappointed if you if you didn't know this stuff. <laughs> I would be like, I would think you're a fraud. Give uh, me Dionne Warwick, yeah. <laughs> um, David, thank you so much for joining us, uh, giving us your time. And everyone, again, Damn Shame by David Pevsner. 
a memoir of Desire Defines and Showtunes. It's out now. Get it. Or I, I'm, I'm trying not to tell, threaten people that I'll stab them. Because when I say that now... Whatever it takes, Dan. Whatever, whatever it takes. It You're takes. right. I should I should own it. This is, Your book is about ownership. I should own it. I will stab Exactly. You. <laughs> you guys are great. Thank you so much. It Thank was really you fun. so much Thanks, for joining Dan. us. Nice to meet you. And congrats on the book. It's great. Thank and, you. Uh, Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. And uh, we'll, we'll ride off into the... Good night. Oh, everyone. Subscribe to this channel on Twitch. Or support us at MaximumFun.org slash join. Or just Venmo and PayPal us and we'll split the money. <laughs> and do God knows, do horrible things with it. We'll buy additional copies of Damn Shame, which is not a horrible thing. Fantastic. Perfect. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.